Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Out of Bounds with Dota. Lose your eye. Hey, what up, Detroit? Welcome to this special edition of Out of Bounds. Glad to be with you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. Want to remind you, outofboundsdetroit.com coming to you live this week. Please check it out. You'll be able to see what we're about, what we're doing, and uh, we'll be posting events and things that we're going to be attending so you can join us and, and check us out and have a chat with us. What do I mean by special edition of this podcast? Well, we've got a special guest. Uh, the one and only Joe Fourier sits down with us, former uh, Detroit Lions tight end. Sitting down with us for a conversation, um, and I got to tell you, it was an interesting one. Uh, the plan for this podcast was originally to use some chunks of that interview and kind of talk in and around it, uh, but the interview was so great that we decided to make it a standalone episode, uh, 52 minutes of raw, uncut, unedited uh, conversation with Joe, and you'll hear some interesting insights. I mean, we talked about life after football and what Joe is up to now. We talked about culture with the Detroit Lions and his time with them here and his thoughts on that, what he loved about Detroit when he was here. Uh, we talked about Matthew Stafford, Colin Kaepernick, and a stat just absolutely blew me away. Make it through the first couple minutes, and you're really going to enjoy this show. Folks, I'm really excited about our next segment here on Out of Bounds. Uh, we're always trying to bring in guests who have new insights and unique perspectives, especially from people who know what the hell they're talking about. And we have tracked down the one and only former tight end with the Detroit Lions, Joe Fourier. Welcome to Out of Bounds, buddy. Yeah, guys, you did track me down. You looked me up on Instagram. I said, no, I'm not doing it. You emailed me. I said, no, I'm not doing it. But you wrote me a letter. I said, no, I'm not doing it. Until you showed up at my house yesterday. I'm scared of my life. <laughs> hey, we, me doing it. We, we know so, people. Uh, we know people. <laughs> How did you find out my address? No, no I appreciate you guys having me on. I'm, I'm glad to be on. This is cool. Well, we appreciate you uh, joining us. Uh, how you doing out there in the big city? Uh, man, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I'm actually approaching. I've been here for like what two years now, and uh, I mean the past past five six years of my life, I haven't lived in a place longer than two years. So it's about that time, and I'm moving. I think I'm going to move back to. Uh, I'm planning on moving back to LA at the end of the month. Okay. So you can't you can't you can't keep me in one place. I'm always bouncing around. What happened? New York just couldn't keep up with you. Yeah, actually, you know what? This 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 city is really special. It's a place I didn't really like at first because I had to. You know, I was an LA kid. Um, guy liked the water. I'm not a really big city guy. And you know, also add the whole element of me not knowing what I'm doing with my life. It could be a very daunting place, but. uh I've tried things out, you know. I think, I, and I, now I know it kind of, the city kind of taught me what I wanted to, what I wanted to do, like by showing me what I don't want to do. So uh, that being said, it's it was a special place, and it's always going to hold a special place in my heart. And I'm always, gonna, I'm going to come back. My girlfriend still lives here and stuff, but uh, I think. 
think L.A., where there's ocean water and, and the Hollywood sign is, is what's calling me. Where are you, uh, this is John, Joe, uh, where are you living, in the city or out in Brooklyn? What part? Uh, Brooklyn, Williamsburg. It's like oh, beautiful. First, I, I'm off the first stop into uh, from the city into Brooklyn and into booming town um, right next to the park. Yep. Uh, you know, there's a, it's a good area, lively, a lot of cafes, flat brim hats. How about, how about my favorite pizza spot, Luke Kelly? You ever visit that spot? Uh, yeah, man, I'm from there. So I, I, uh, I grew up there. I went to Notre Dame first, and then I transferred to UCLA back home. So it's kind of it's kind of funny how these things come full circle, where like you, you try your college thing, and you come back home. You try this real world thing, and you come back home. It's like, man, I'm just destined to like, you know, try stuff. You know, uh, uh, get. Get, get it out of my system and then come back home. <laughs> awesome. So we'll get a little bit more into what you're doing these days, uh, but you are transitioning into life after the NFL. Um, when did you know your football career was over, and what was that moment like? Um, well, you know what? It wasn't ever a specific – I mean, there was a few specific moments, and there's a ton of variables that I've played into it, but, you know – after my um, last tryout, the Giants um, a, a year ago, um, was a, I'm sorry, September first week of September, about a year ago, um, I had a tryout with the Giants. Ran 40, did the whole deal. Um, smelled the grass, saw some coaches, uh, got to run around a little bit, but you know, got you know sent home, obviously, which is okay. Was, you know, I didn't expect anything crazy, but you know, it was good to get get my wits about me and just one more time. Um, but after that, on the ride home, I was like, well, you know what? I gave it my one last shot. Um, and it's a tough pill to swallow. So the day that you find out that it's going to be your last day, you know, playing football or whatever, it's always hard because, you know, especially when it starts off so great and it starts off so fast, you think you have, you think you have so much more to play. But it's very rare in this game to be to leave on your own terms. And... I, you know, just thought I had a little more in me. But, you know, with all these new football leagues coming up, you never know. I might, I might uh, just decide to pick up the cleats one more time just for a little swan song. But we'll see. Hey, Joe, this is Mark. How you doing, man? Um, hey, I just Mark. I just had a question. Uh, like, the league itself doesn't prepare you for an early retirement or when you get injured. How is that? Like, how you, how do you deal with that when when you just know that you just can't do it no more, man? Right, right. Well, that's a great question. Um, and that right there is what led me to start the conversation w- with the masses and have my own podcast, similar to what you guys are doing. I have my own podcast called Figure It Out, which is what it sounds like. It's basically talking to people, you know, athletes and non-athletes alike, about their experiences with just career transitions and maybe something like very similar to, you know, giving giving your life, finding the parallels with, you know, guys who have played sports, women who have played sports, and given their life to something since they were, you know, four or five years old before they could walk, like myself, like I touched the right. football. There's a video of me crawling with a football before I could walk. It was my destiny. It was given to me, and everything in my life was geared towards, towards that goal. And when that's gone, there's no prepping for that. There's no preparation for that. And even if that conversation does happen, it's still... A, a pill to swallow that's really difficult mm-hmm. and that conversation isn't had a lot but you know now days we're more comfortable talking about the depression the anxieties 
mental health, um, things of that sort. That is part of the conversation now, and it, and it serves as a uh, as a catalyst to talk about it. And um, I I want to spread my message with with how difficult it is, but how to combat it and how to how to do, go through that transition and come out on top. So it's funny because like people always ask me, oh, who are your guests? Well, you know, my guests aren't just athletes, aren't just football players. Right. There's people who have endured and people who have gone through and know that. Like sometimes. You know, I have I have a guy who I'm going to have on next week who you know went through his whole life thinking he's going to be a film producer, went through USC college, and then and, and got into Hollywood and was making fucking movies. Right. But right. he got sick of it. He just changed it up, and now he's selling. You know, now he opens a, a taco shop called Otto's Tacos in New York. Like moved across the country, changed his life, like that kind of stuff. Like you know, it could be it could be scary. It could be uh, right. It could be really difficult, but having the conversation, you know, because they don't prepare you for it, but that day's going to come. So ha- opening the conversation up is what I aim to reach out to the public. Well, I think it's what, it's great what you're doing. I think I think it's important to have that conversation. It's not an easy one to have. You touched on this a little bit. Um, do you think you could still play today? Have you considered the CFL or the XFL? Because I think a guy who can grab three touchdown catches in a in the NFL can play with the best of them. Yeah, man, I, I, I never thought about the CFL, um, nothing against CFL, I just, I don't really see Titans, like myself, flourishing in that kind of system, um, they only have three downs, and they're running a streak every every play, uh, not my, not my, it, it is the CFL, it's not really, you know, the field's bigger, it's different, it's a different game, um, so I never really saw myself doing it, never, and also, in that same breath, I, I you know I had this sort of entitlement where I reached the, goal, the the milestone, and I didn't think anything else would suffice. So you're just going to um, blow past the fact that I brought up your three touchdown game. <laughs> What's that? I say you're just going to blow past the fact that I just brought up your three touchdown game. <laughs> oh yeah, man! I, I I love talking about uh, you know uh, my my uh, awesome performance. <laughs> <laughs> That was my saving grace, and that basically just solidifies my career. You know, usually guys who play three years in the NFL, they don't really have uh, a good game to talk about like that. So I'm very proud of myself to have done that because, you know, usually when people look at me up, they're like, oh, you only played three years, or you only played a little bit, or whatever. I'm like, well, it was good. It just ended, it ended, it ended the wrong way. But right. nevertheless, um, yeah, fuck yeah, I can still play. <laughs> in the best shape of my life. That's what I'm talking and, about, man. Um, you you got to work out. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're what, 28 years old? Yeah. Oh, like 28? Yeah, I'm 20. I'm 28 years old. I'm not as old as T.O. Uh, <laughs> you you got to you got to uh, try it, man. You got to go for and it. That, and that's the thing. That's the thing. I always, for the longest time, I was always a little. I was mad at myself for being one of those guys that continued to chase after the the dream when it was you know slipping through my fingers because of that very thing. Let's, let's be honest. Let's be very honest. Colin Kaepernick is not the only one to be blackballed in the NFL. All this collusion shit that he's talking about, right. all this stuff he's trying to, you know, uh, you know, he has this backing, he has this name, he has a lot of support because of all the, all the, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm not, oh, no, I don't want to say all the mess that he's made. But it is a mess. The, you know, it, it is a the, mess. The topic he's, 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 you know, the topic he's talking about and the stuff he's brought to the forefront. That you know, he has that ability to, to kind of fight back, which is amazing, and I support the man. Like it's cool. But to, 
to believe that he's the only one to have gone through this. It's just, it's just now it's actually being talked about because the world is too small with the Twitters and the Instagrams and the, and the mm-hmm. Facebooks and LinkedIn's and shit. Like, every, a lot of guys get blackballed in the NFL. A lot. Yeah. And it's just how it works because the world is so small. The football world is so small. You know, your, your college coach, you know, who played once before, but no one's, you know, went to school with Mike Vrabel in the 90s. Coach, and you know, they were on the same kickoff team on the Patriots, but in college, they were together. Like, there are so many intertwined parts of the college football and the football world where everyone's talking and everyone's colluding, and everyone and owners are telling, like, well, you know what? That guy didn't show up to a meeting one time. He's probably a bad character guy. <laughs> right. guy. You probably just find him. And that just turns into this whirlwind and snowball effect of you can't get back from it because all this stuff is happening behind the scenes where you get you can't talk about it because there's so many powerful powerful people that are basically have your feet, have the your feet, and they and they put you to the side. So it's a lot of politics. Basically, what I'm saying with what you guys know about how my career ended, I'm very sure that that got out. People were talking. No one was in my corner, and then I get fizzled out. Because for all for all intents and purposes, a six eight, two hundred and fifty guy, fifty pound tight end who catches three touchdowns in a game can still be in the league no matter what. Okay, get the fuck out of here. Okay? Right, right. <laughs> I'm gonna agree with you there. Collusion happened. Being blackballed happened. I just don't have. A big fro, and I didn't, and I didn't take a knee for a good cause. Like I just was trying to play football. Like right. So I, like I said, I'm I'm a big supporter of Colin Kaepernick, but he's not the only one that gets blackballed. He's not the only one that gets colluded against. Like that's there's no like there's more than one person. So do you think that that I don't want to say that you were blackballed because of your injury or or a reputation? Do you do you think that played into the the end of your career? Like do you have regrets about your time in the NFL or being drafted by Detroit? I was I was not drafted and I and I don't really have any regrets. I just have you know things that I wish have gone differently. I mean, it would have been cool to see them go a certain way, but uh, yeah, it's it's a real thing. It's a real thing. Got uh, like the, the football world is a fraternity, and you know guys talk and you know dudes are like um, they'll, they'll say things and they'll, and they'll they'll stay within their little their little. Uh, bubble and have you know they have little groups and cliques like it's just like an extension of high school <laughs> so um to answer your question i mean like yeah it, it happens and it, it sucks but it's just part of it so i do believe that with what happened with uh, my career it could have it could have gone differently if i if i would have had you know at least one person in my corner but m- murmurs happen secrets go get through and talk gets circle circulated around and uh, that's that's what some guys get asked out like me yeah well that that's unfortunate let me switch gears here uh your former team the detroit lions off to a rough start on this show we've been very critical of the lions organization what was your impression of of, of the organization when you played for them all right let me just set the record straight big fan of the lions big fan of my friends still on the team big fan of the city i love how much the city of Detroit loves their their football and their sports. And it was a really good place because I came from UCLA, and there's better stuff to do, you know, in Santa Monica, Bel Air, and Hollywood, and, and Brentwood, and stuff like that. So not everyone came to our games, so the fanhood wasn't as strong as it was in Detroit. 
appreciate it. However, however, there <laughs> disclaimer. This, 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 uh, <laughs> let's just be honest, and I all, and I, this is my only, this is my only like point that I really that I really say when people ask me this type of question is that when you have um, the greatest running back of all time, or one of, I would like to say one of the best, the, the best, greatest yes. wide receiver, greatest wide receiver of all time, you know, some of those best players to ever touch the field, two of them played for the same organization, and both left when they had plenty of more football to play, but they know, they knew mm-hmm. that if they left, they probably would have won, and then it would have tainted their careers for that respective city, which they would have which they are both love to, they love so much that they still are in. Because, like, what? Calvin goes back and forth in Detroit and Atlanta, right? Yeah. Right. yeah. Barry, Barry Sanders is always in Detroit, right? Yeah. But imagine if they had gone to a different place and actually won a Super Bowl, which they were totally capable of because they were both better, the best players in their respective uh, positions. But they knew in their heart that they would never freaking win. Right. Well, yeah. they're character guys, right? Not like today's I mean, NFL where players, where right? There's, where there's smoke, there's fire. If you have Barry Sanders quitting early of the, of the great sport of football because he knew he wasn't going to win, he didn't want to put his body through pain anymore. Yeah. And the same very thing happens a decade later with Calvin Johnson. Come on, guys. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. Where, where is the blame? There, the- is, your an- there is your answer. And I, and I hate to say this because Detroit fans, they are the best. But for crying out loud, Two best to every play their prospective positions left early because they knew they weren't gonna fucking win. Right, Joe. So, uh, like so. There it is. So like, and, you, you... I, I, and I and I see them making the moves to try and make it better. You know, and and Stafford, man, he is one of the best quarterbacks to ever wear a uniform. Joe, but uh, Mark, all Mark, the moving parts gotta go. I, and I and I'm sorry, I keep talking because I feel really passionate. Let it rip like we, we love it. You. No, uh, you can hear me, right, Joe? I'm just making sure my mic's yeah. on. Um, so you mentioned the fans and how great the fans are and how much we love our football team. But I don't think we get the same love back. And I think it starts from the top, doesn't it? Wouldn't you agree? Ownership. With the, for- with the ownership, with Fords. That's where I think the, the culture is missing there. And that's why you, the greats that ever played the game, two of them that you mentioned, um, left. I, I I mean, yeah, they wanted okay. to, you know, get out of the game and uh, maybe extend their career a different way. Um, but I feel that they got out because, like you said, uh, they seen that they weren't going to win because of the culture. And the culture starts at the top. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I think that that's anything. I think that's anything. Any business, right. any organization. Uh, you're only you really, and I and I usually say this with just the microcosm of coaching, like which is the smaller part of the bigger picture, is like. A head coach, let's just, let's just look at the, the, this picture right here. A head coach is only, like all the head coaches that are great around the league, that are, you know, great around um, the, this sport, any sport for that matter, a head coach is only as good as his, head, uh, as his assistant coaches, you know? Um, you know, the a president is only as good as the cabinet and, like, you know, who's helping him make the decision. And I think the owner is only as good as what their the, 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 their pieces that they put together. And, and if and if they're taking it, they're you know having accountability for those positions. And it's not just you know hiring your friend or whatever. Like, hey Joe, where does it have to be business decisions? And it gets that gets lost. And like I said, for example, I think it's changed now. But when I was at, at the Lions in 2013, we had fried food every day. 
you know, and wow. you know, I think it's it French fries. French fries are good, Joe. Now, but I'm saying like there's 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 like things from the bottom, and, and it's funny. I got to I got to uh, compare the organizations of the, the the Arizona Cardinals, Detroit Lions, and the New England Patriots. And I tell you, man, it's a night it's a night and day kind of accountability factor, just responsibility. Um, and but, how things are run and how the ship is run from that of uh, the likes of the Detroit Lions and that of the likes of... But, Joe, the, don't you think the, the players have some accountability here on any organization and, and they got to step up and they got to do their job as well? I mean, coaching is huge. I get it. And from, coming from the ownership is huge as well. But when you step on the field, you got to... First of all, before you step on the field, don't you got to take care of your body, prepare yourself, be the best you can be, fight for your job because you know you're asking to get cut. Or and, and and perform, or do you got to be sour like they are the last couple of games that I'm watching them? Just like their body language is so fucked up, and like isn't don't oh, the players have oh, some exactly. kind of accountability? Well, I can tell you right now that every one of those men that are that are trying to make money and putting food on the tables for their families and are are trying, and they are they are um, stretching and working stretching before the games to the point of pain and putting themselves through pain through the entire week, working out three, uh, working out with heavy weights three times before that, three times that week before you actually play on Sunday. Those guys are putting all their effort. So don't make, make no mistake. They aren't, they aren't, uh, you know, whatever their body language might be after having a tough game has no, uh, bearing on, on their work ethic or how they're preparing. So you have to stop right there because that's not true. These guys are professionals. However, when they when they uh, are losing and they're not performing at the at the at the level that they they see themselves that they should, yeah, the body language might be a little bad, which which comes which brings to the point where it's like, are they allowed to show emotion? I mean, these guys are playing. We we forget we got to look through their lens. Like they're playing, yes, for a lot of money, but they've also been doing this their entire lives. They've been working for it, okay, and they've been going through you know all this spring ball and you know all this training camp two days in the in the in the 100 degree weather in the community in detroit it sucks so i'm pretty sure they're pretty committed to the cause of trying to win but we also got to understand that damn it guys it's really hard <laughs> to win on sundays okay it's really hard we can't we make no mistake who just lost the jacksonville jaguars the great New England Patriots. You know why? Because it's very hard to win on Sundays. They kind of suck this year. But that, be, but that being said, yeah, it, 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 uh, it the, the Lions are. They're, they're probably. You understand? They're, they're sick of losing too. Well, do you, you believe know? that? And they, and they, and they go, and they go through this training camp, this, this preseason, and they have these hopes and these dreams. Because you know, in the beginning, it's like okay, one and one and zero each week. Then we're eventually getting to sixteen and zero, and when you're starting off zero and two, zero and three, like it's gonna hurt. So that body language is gonna be bad. So you know, you should almost just feel their pain rather than being like, "Damn, man, they have bad body language on the sidelines." Like, no, no, no. Like, you should be like, "Damn, they care because they've been putting all this effort to to have those wins and to help you win because they it gets more money." <laughs> okay, so yeah. and, that, and that's what they want to do. They want to get money. They want to win. They want to you know, perform. So, let me go back. Body language bad. Joe, Joe, let me go back a little bit. Um, we were speaking about like two days that are hot and this and and my vantage point. I mean, looking in on that is, and I understand it's not easy. Okay, get banging your body. I'm not. I'm not an idiot there, but you know, you get paid a lot of money. 
millions and millions of dollars to play something that you love. It's like a game. So, you know, and people are coming out to see you when you're going 0 and 16 and when you're going 2 and, and, and whatever, 2 and 14, and you're just not playing. Don't you think like that, like, does the money drive them? Doesn't it, you know, looking in as blue collar workers here, I own a painting company, so we painted for so many years, and we're painting, painting in 110 degree weather with masks on, getting paint all over our fucking face to make, you know, feed our family as well. But we, we come out there and we see these guys. I'm, I'm not talking about when you lose the effort, the body language. I'm talking about during the game body language, between the coaches, between the players, not running the routes, not going out, sprinting hard as they can, not diving, not getting on the floor, not wrapping up tackles, um, not bumping off the line. Um, just things like that is what I'm seeing when I'm talking about body language. And, you know, yeah, it's hard. But I just look at it from – not just the money, but this, uh, you're doing something that you love. You just said it earlier. You're doing it. You did this since you were a baby. You're playing a game. I think some of these guys will play for free. It's just such a great right. p- opportunity. And I'm not saying, oh, you make millions. You should be happy and, and doing your best. I understand. But you can see effort, man, and the psychology. If you could, you could look at people and thin slice them and be like, this guy doesn't give a shit. So it's like well, – uh, you're, you're asking the best person ever because I've played for a lot of money, and I've also – lived a life where I don't have that money and I, so I, I know I know the, the, the value of a dollar and how you know it should be respected for the ones that are, are doing a blue collar and the ones that are doing a, a job where you're entertaining and be, being a gladiator in front of millions of people putting your, putting your body on the line and I will tell you one thing when you get to the NFL the love of the game changes your love of the game has to change because you aren't doing it strictly for the love anymore right and you realize that as soon as, soon as you step foot on your very first day in, on an nfl uniform an nfl team an nfl locker room right because it is different and it almost you hear this all the time when guys you know leave go to the patriots for a year or a few weeks and they, they come back saying oh man it made me hate football <laughs> that's a real thing because oh, man, you know i don't you know man it's you, just had, so you had this relationship with the game that you had this love affair, and it goes a certain way, and you and you have this, you see it, you see it, and it and it and it, and it succeeds a certain way your entire life, with, in high school and in college. But when it comes to the NFL, it is your job, and this thing, this game that you love, turns into basically a, a, a job where you have to do something that some. Things that make you uncomfortable, things, things that you don't like, things that you don't really believe in. Isn't that you know, real, isn't that the real it. real world though? In any any job, any I mean, not everybody gets to do what they love. I mean, you got to do things to make I, money. I, exactly, exactly. And imagine adding the, the component of someone like someone like not someone, but people like what we're doing right now is constantly doing constantly doing it in the public forum, which is you know constant critique. You know, and there's also there's also the element of having millions of people watching you, an audience watching your mistakes, right? Watching your session, you succeed, and knowing exactly what the fuck you're getting paid, right? Yeah, you know, right? Well, you know, with the, and so, not, so it's, it's, not knowing what you're netting. There are parallels. There are there are parallels, but at the same time, it can't be compared to anything else because it isn't like anything else, right? That's why it is special. That's why we're talking about it on a podcast. That's why we're not talking about you know. Which kind of paint primer John used on his last on his last, uh, on his last gig? You know, in the top four. Yeah, you know, well, right. everyone wants to watch that shit. Right. Well, we can if you so, want to paint your house again or something. Let us know. Yeah, Put the word out. Natural painting, right, baby. Right. Joe, you mentioned you mentioned right, a head yeah, coach. That, that, those are the 
You mentioned a head coach is only as good as his assistant coaches or an owner is only as good as the people he puts around him. You know, there have been, oh, God, so many head coaches, so many GMs over the course of 60-plus years with the Detroit Lions. The one thing that remains standing is the ownership. Like, are are the Fords just bad judges of character? Are they just continuing to make just bad hire after bad hire after bad hire? How else do you explain one playoff win in 60 fucking years? <laughs> well, man, uh, I mean, I can't attest too much to the Fords and the Ford family. I do know that uh, someone in the Ford family did not like my twerk dance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I thought no, we were going to talk about that. Uh, you know, yeah, basically put it out. On our, and it was at our Monday morning, uh, our Monday morning meeting. Said, uh, <laughs> "Yeah, Caldwell in front of the whole team said, yeah, Joe, uh, you can't do that.' Uh, I think he specifically said more if I didn't like it, but uh, <laughs> never <laughs> the whole, whole team laughed. Uh, but it was actually a real thing. So I mean, that that's <laughs> that gives you an indicator of the type of uh, right. the yeah. type of uh, you know. I just feel I, run. I mean, I can't I can't attest too much to the Ford family. Um, they were. Besides, besides that one incident, and then me leaving the next year, <laughs> that makes sense. Do they, um, do they even? You know, like, I, I, I just look really at. Say, I can't really say it's anything. I just look at the Go Ford ahead. family as an invest. It's like it's. I feel like it's an investment for them. Like they just landed a great investment, and they're just hiring the people to run the business, and not like hands on, and not. Are, are they like that or no? Uh, I, I mean, I would see them around every once in a while and they would talk to the big wigs. I was on my way to getting talked to, but then you know, I left the next year, but those things happen. It's just, uh, it's hard to say because I think they are running you know, a multi-billion dollar company that is, you know, the Ford business. Right. But uh, this is, I'm sure, this, I don't know if it's their baby. I don't know if it's something they, you know, wake up in the morning thinking about. I can't really... I can't really answer for them, and my relationship with them wasn't close enough to make comments on it. Here. But uh, it it seems like they're trying. They're, they're constant, they're constantly re- replacing people when they don't do well, so they do care a little bit. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, it seems, you know, so I guess that that's my answer. Yeah, that's my uh, answer. There's, you know, Lions fans here like to play the blame game every every Monday. Um, you know, some point I, the I, thing. I, I, don't, I don't blame you guys. I would want, I would want someone to blame too. <laughs> um, I mean, how, how much, how much blame do you think Matt Matthew Stafford deserves? Shoot, man, I, I've grappled with this over the past few years as well. But and you know, for the long, for 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 a short time, I, there was a time when I would go on podcasts and radio shows and say that you know Matt is the best quarterback. If you have him and, and shorts and a t-shirt, without you know, an, with, away from a real game, but that's not really the case because Matt is one of the one of the greatest to put it on because just with raw talent. But you have certain scenarios, and you know he can't win the entire game on his own. He, there needs to be a support system that's you know doing their job as well. Right. Um, that's another thing, the accountability, doing your job, that kind of thing. The culture of certain programs isn't necessarily the culture of all the organizations. So I think I'm a big fan of Matt. I mean, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have got the touchdowns I did. Uh, I think he's great. I think he is a force. I think he's a great leader. And he's actually a really he's a tough SOB, really do you, tough. Do you think he can lead uh, a team to a I, Super Bowl? I, I've seen the, I think he can. 
I think he very well can. It's just the writing hasn't been on the walls, and the mm-hmm. the dice hasn't the dice haven't fallen as they should have for him. Or the cards haven't gotten the hand that he's been dealt. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, there's so many excuses and variables and, and fingers to be pointed. But when it comes to, I mean, the boy is good, and I've seen him bloody bloody nose wind knocked out of him, barely able to say the play. Say the play, and then two plays later, he throws a touchdown to yeah. me. But yeah. you know, it was that, that's the type of guy he is, and he is a your franchise quarterback. He is the one, you know, best shot of winning. It's just football isn't won by one person. Yeah, I've never felt he was the problem. Uh, it, it, so he's worth twenty-seven million no, to you. He's not, he's, <laughs> uh, I, I'll, I'll, I'll never knock a guy for the money he right. makes. Yeah. Uh, Joe, let me ask you this. The only, the only guys I'll knock are the guys that are making the, the league minimum, and I'm over here you know, <laughs> on a podcast on a Wednesday. <laughs> Joe, Joe, let me ask you this. Um, well, I'm happy I'm on it. I tell you what, this is a great podcast. Dude, it's I, good. I, it's, it's blowing up. It's coming up. We appreciate you coming. Let me ask you this. Um, you know, the state of Detroit sports right now is is brutal. We're in the midst of three rebuilds. Uh, the Lions are supposed to be our only hope. There's a there's a feeling here, at least on this podcast and among other Detroit uh, fans, that you know when you're doing these rebuilds and you're looking to get top tier talent, that stars just don't want to come play in Detroit. Do you believe that? Um, let's just let me let me okay, let me just let me lay it down for you. Obviously, there are certain teams that guys coming out of the league or being traded <clears throat> would like. To go to, and a lot of that wasn't necessarily the organization's uh, winning versus losses or whatever, what have you. It really had to do with the city, uh, the people, the surrounding, like the, where you're spending eight months of your life, um, that kind of thing. Like I know a lot, of, a lot of guys are they joke about you know not wanting to go to Buffalo or not wanting to go to Cleveland. Mm-hmm. I've never really heard not wanting to go to Detroit, but when it comes down to it. Nowadays, that culture has changed because uh, college st- started this new movement of making, you know, uh, making their 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 schools and their programs and their weight rooms and all their facilities so freaking nice. Spending all this money from donors, millions of dollars, mm-hmm. to make their 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 schools look the best for recruiting. Okay, right. and for the longest time. The NFL didn't give a shit about how its organization looked, how the locker rooms looked, you know, how the parking lot was painted. You know, that didn't matter because you came in, you did your football stuff, and you got out. But that was your work. But now they're realizing when, you know, the Des Bryants of the world and the Le'Veon Bells are on the street, oh, it's not on the street, but I'm saying if they're a, a free agent looking for a squad, looking for a team to play for, you know, it doesn't always have to do with the wins and losses. It might have to do with the quarterback and the schemes or whatever, but it also has to do with, yeah, where do I want to spend, where do I want to lay my head for naps in between meetings, and where do I want to actually spend my all my hours of the day? Joe. Like, if you are a, a, a painter, aren't you going to pick the the place that has the best amenities and that, you know, that there is a casual Friday and they actually serve, they, they, they serve you. Ain't uh, no fucking casual Fridays in painting, bro. It's fucking hard work and fucking pay. But, but, but now, now they, now, now the NFL has followed suit and they have created this, this culture where you better start building your organization so that when the free agents do come or the, uh, the drafted guys do come or undrafted guys come, 
that they will want to pick uh, this certain place to play. So it's not necessarily like, oh, Detroit's not a place that their people want to go as a destination. Like, there's still the places like the Buffaloes where it's like, yeah, man, um, freaking October, November, December, and January are going to suck. So I don't really want to go to the place with the Buffalo Bills. I'd rather go to sunny LA. Yeah, that's like, obviously that's always going to be a thing. Joe, but during during adding that with like building the big organization. During free, I mean, free agency. That 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 seems like that's a you know they have a power. But how much power does a player have um, during trade time? Say like a uh, Le'Veon Bell, that you know he's disgruntled right now. Like how much power does he have to decide like where he goes? We see that in the NBA. We see that. Do they have any power, or can the team do whatever the hell they want? Huh. It's a. It's a. Um, I mean, to be. I mean, does he have the power? Like if he's being traded. If if, if he had the power. It would have happened already. Like you know what I'm saying? Like I, I'm but, not fucking going to Detroit. Fuck off. You know what I mean? But like, you know, he's still on a contract. Right, right, right. Uh, when it comes to uh, tra- trading, is trading is a little like off for me. I'm not, I'm not too knowledgeable of it, but I think that when it comes to like the power, it just goes to show you because nothing is happening that players don't really have the power. Right. But I will I will go to bat for any guy that tries to get the most money out of this out of this league uh, for the time that he's oh absolutely that, that that he's in it because it's their prerogative because too often you know careers start so strong and then injuries happen and then you you're you're left to figuring it out for three years after your your departure from the league i.e. me so when you have a chance to fight fight for yourself to get more money. And, and try and trying gain power like like the the Collins of the world or Lazyons of the world or the or the, the, the Arnolds of the world uh, over um, what was it that the defensive lineman um, you know what I'm talking about Khalil Mack anyways like those guys yeah Khalil Mack uh, Aaron Do- Aaron Donald mm-hmm. th- those guys like they're holding out because they want the power because they realize you know once you get the NFL it's a business and you don't have that power like as much as a player should have power they don't. So I, I commend the guys that are kind of holding out, even though it's kind of annoying for fantasy owners and such, and for fans alike. It, I, I think it's empowering for them to, to actually stand up to the owners that we just talked about earlier, who have all the power, who might not care as much. Yeah. But you're talking about a guy who does care and wants to be on the field, but wants that maybe that extra zero or that extra column of a dollar. Like, go for it, bro. And if you think you deserve it, and you, think, and you, want, and you don't want to put your line on the life, and body on the line for anything less than freaking go for it. You think you think they're seeing the NBA players on how much power they have, trying to take advantage of that, trying to flip the script, saying all these NBA players right. getting what they want, going where they want, teaming up wherever they want to go, and and then you got the NFL that's on the opposite side fighting that and trying to get right. some of that. So right. uh, you know, to piggyback right. no, that, do exactly, you think they're exactly? Do you think they're going to you know you'll and, ever and see a fully guaranteed contract? Right, and that's that's one positive about uh, having the, all these contracts be public and be and fantasized over uh, on the ESPNs and the Fox Sports and the podcasts of the world is it does open the conversation for these this other sport who actually you know is the America's sport. Right? Yeah. I mean, right. football is the most popular sport, and we're seeing guys not get paid enough right. for it. But it's all this is always going to be. A topic of conversation, at, even though it is rising, and as we speak, you know, guys are getting bigger contracts and bigger contracts and bigger contracts. But when it comes down to it, NFL needs to find the right solution 
for all their players that 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 go through whether they play three years, ten years, you know, right. to get the money they deserve. Because, right. but that's the catch twenty two because you're putting your body and your life on the line for this money. For sure. But if it's all if it's, uh, if it's all guaranteed, you know, there are there are guys that that don't pan out. But it, it's this. Like I said, catch twenty two, double edged sword, whatever you want to call it, paradox. Yeah. I heard it's crazy because you want to pay these guys are they, they do deserve the most money out of all of the sports. Whatever more, right. they yeah. do is that just throw a ball, you know, and hit a ball. I mean, yeah. granted, that's hard. I get it, but let's <laughs> be honest. You really look at it. If you look at it from on on paper, who deserves more money, baseball or football players? You would obviously say football players, but the same conversation needs to be had is like they are football players are the most susceptible to get injured. baseball is so hard man baseball is hard to throw four different pitches baseball and, is hard baseball and to hit a hard. round ball with a with a round bat come on man <laughs> don't knock my favorite sport yeah. there joe I mean, <laughs> these guys know I mean, i'm so glad they, i'm so glad they added that protection you know on on their helmet so no one gets hit in the job by that fastball but imagine get, getting hit by one of them fastballs every single play. Yeah. Baseball yeah. fucking sucks, yo. Fuck these guys. <laughs> baseball form, sucks. Don't and, listen. And that baseball in a form of a 350-pound uh, um, Geno Atkins, you know, <laughs> no. coming for you every freaking play. Dude, I watched some of your highlights. I watched some of your highlights, you know, before the show. You got fucking popped a few times, man. Pretty fucking hard, dude. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Holy there, there shit. Was some, there was some. But you know, sometimes you know, you gotta. I I made my I made my living in, in high school, college, and the NFL by being the tall guy going over the middle because yeah. I to get the ball at the time and just just hoping for the best. Your dances you know, were great, know. by the way. Your dances were awesome. Thanks. <laughs> they were, they were <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Worth watching every time. Well, Joe, you talk about players deserving better. I think Detroit fans deserve better. What would be your words of encouragement for any of the Detroit fans who are down right now? Whether it's the Lions, Tigers, Pistons, Red Wings. I mean, we are we are dying over here, man. We're fucking bored. We might come to L.A. with you. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I tell, I tell you one thing, man. Make no mistake that these guys care. I think it, it's safe to say that the Detroit Lions, the people know, I can say it sure enough the past five years since 2013. Damn, man, y'all have three different head coaches in five years. Right. That sucks. Uh, nevertheless, what I meant to say was these guys care. And they know that their city cares. And even more and I think it comes it comes with even more more of value because they 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 take it personally. I know I did. Because damn man, I as much as I loved having you know, having the whole crowd scream my name before I got in the field freaking amazing I loved it I felt equally as bad when we didn't perform well or I didn't perform well and the team lost and you could feel the energy in Ford Field just dwindle and having the whole rest of the week hearing podcasts and radio interviews driving to work in the morning hearing the ticket and stuff like that you know just just bash and and, and critique and all this stuff and, and how angry they are and but listen they feel it too. So, like I said, seeing it from both lenses, because I know, I sure as hell know that they do, because they have all these eyes watching them. So as soon as mm. they win or lose, they know the 
and they feel it too because they feed off of it. Just just like the, the tall, goofy guy from L.A. fed off the the the, the, the energy and danced for the entire city, is the same guy or the same type of guy who would be upset walking off the field, you know, looking at all the faces, being upset, um, leaving, a, leaving a field after losing. I mean, they told us in a bunch of seminars, we have seminars for rookies and such, they, we have it like once a week, um, a seminar after, after one, of the, uh, one of the days a week. And one of the weeks was like talking about domestic violence, and you know, crime in the city and where to avoid an eight mile and stuff like that because you're near Detroit. And they also told us one really big fact, you know, one one astounding, interesting, not cool, but it, it really shed some light on the entire city as a whole and just the, the magnitude of what of what uh, comes after a loss or a win in the city of Detroit playing for the Lions. They told us this, this staggering fact about how it is proven that domestic violence calls or assault calls or charges or just criminal activity surges immediately after a Lions loss. Wow. Wow. And how different, how different, they, they showed us this fact and through, like, through the months of August till January, like crime after a Lions victory and after wow. a Lions loss and how it affects the freaking city. And they showed us for it, showed us, showed us all the rookies. And honestly, I, w- I was in awe. My jaw dropped. It was staggering. It was like 75% crime. And wow. Like 30% crime. Dude, I could, we could have. like, yeah, man. Yeah. After that, I was like, damn. We got to win some damn games. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I can like, attest no, to that. No, me, no. Me, me and Mark city, went. The city is, the, the city is depending on us. And if I and if I can't hit Tina, is all depending on us. So we, so we so trust me. A lot I of power, Joe. That, you had a lot yeah, of power there. I, I don't know how the, those guys care. I don't know how the city is still standing. I don't know how the city is still standing. Sixty years of disappointment. I know. I know. How are we still standing? That's why I understand the gripes and, the, and how guys and people are in the city is upset because everyone's everyone's getting into trouble and and, and shit after games. That's <laughs> wild. <laughs> That's wild. Hey, Joe, I think most Detroit fans and probably most NFL fans know you for uh, all your touchdown celebrations and your dances, but you are doing something, having a little bit more of a serious talk about life after the professional football with your podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I had mentioned it earlier to you guys about how I'm doing a podcast and stuff. Um, Just wanted to talk. I wanted to open up the conversation of life after because, like I said, we mentioned earlier, no one really talks about it. And uh, that's something that even if they do prepare you for it, it's something very hard to prepare for. My uncle, Christian Fourier, played 13 years in the NFL. Always looked up to him. Still a big mentor in my life. The one thing that really resonated with me that I really didn't understand until I was done uh, is something that he said to me when I was playing because it was around the time when I was really upset <clears throat> that I wasn't drafted. And he said, listen, Joseph, it's not how you get in. It's how you stay in. And that right there resonated with me. But when I when I when I and when I got out, it was so hard to get back in. It's just not possible. It's just like it, it's very rare. Right. Um, and that can send someone down uh, a dark path, and that's what it did for me. You know, I, I I'm not ashamed to say that after football was over and me trying to get back in, but also having that that 
inclination, that feeling that like, wow, you know, I don't think I'm allowed back in. I don't think I'm welcome back in. And I, and I felt that. And it ended up being true. Um, and, I, and I worked my ass off to get back. It just didn't, just didn't come to fruition. So with that comes the anxiety, the realization, the, 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 the depression, the pushing people away, you know. Uh, but that isn't just reserved. And I've realized now, having the podcast, that, that right there, that feeling, that what I went through isn't reserved for athletes. It isn't reserved for the football player. It isn't reserved for the selfish person, which, which I was. And I am, like, I am that kind of person. I, I had the podcast opening up the conversation, talking to people about how, you know, athletes are people too, but more so like that everyone endures, everyone goes through, and opening up the conversation for people if they're done in high school to talk about it because it is hard and it needs to be something that people need to talk about. And just just finding those, those parallels with people of, athletes and non-athletes alike to just talk about it and be open talking about it and the right steps to take to better yourself through it because I, that's something I still struggle with today but you know finding a, finding a new purpose is hard because let's be honest how it's very rare that you you, you, you hear guys or anyone for that matter strike the lottery twice right uh, you know you have the rock who is a, a, a huge sensation for, for wrestling and now he's a huge sensation for motivational speaking and and um, and movies and stuff like that. You know, a lot a lot of people don't like people. Don't want people. There's a lot of negativity. People don't want you to strike the lottery twice. So yeah, I have support, but there's also like if I say, hey, I want to be an actor, big movie star. Like, well, you were just in the NFL. Why do you want more? And I've gotten that. That actually has been a conversation I've had before. So it, it, it's scary because. Similarly to when you're younger and my sixth grade teacher telling me I was never going to make it to the NFL because the odds were so glaring and so daunting and so, and so big and such against me, you know, that, that put me, you know, back then fifth, sixth grade Joe probably would have cried himself to sleep because he didn't know how to handle that kind of thing or mm -hmm. that, that resistance that you get through your entire life trying to, trying to get to this eventual goal of the NFL. I forget that I have to go through that again. You, people forget that you have to go through that again. There's obviously the, this entitlement you have to shake off for that, that you get when you're in the NFL and just reaching a certain goal mountaintop. But it shows you that you are going to come across resistance no matter the pedigree you have, no matter where you've been, no matter if you want to go for a big goal again or you don't or you want to just, just live you know, and, and be happy with playing three years in the NFL or just getting a tryout for the NFL. Yeah, you could be happy with that, or you can go for another goal at, at, at an even higher mountaintop. And that doesn't bode well with a lot of people, but it's, it does to some people, and it can be motivational for others. So that's exactly why I want to have that podcast. So for when this this new journey I go down as a, perform, as a former professional athlete, to show people that, yeah, I'm the type of guy that gets sad and I'm still, and I'm friends with the Kevin Durant who responds to tweets on his fake Twitter account. <laughs> like we are people too. And we want big goals too. And we go, we, we endure and we, and I, and having the conversation and having the podcast is to talk to people and to, to connect with people who are, have come to different sides of the world or have gone through different things or endured different things to find some sort of common ground and connect. 
And that's what I love to do. I love connecting with people. My favorite part about playing in Detroit wasn't catching touchdowns, wasn't doing dances, was talking to the freaking Midwest hospitality people and, and, you know, getting stopped when I was trying to get a sandwich incognito uh, at the grinder store or whatever it's called. Um, that, that place where that, they sell really good. Oh, yeah. It's kind of hard when you're 6'5", a like football player. Yeah, that's true. But <laughs> I got my baseball cap and sunglasses on, but, like, people recognize me. I, I love that. I love connecting and, like, I wasn't talking I wasn't to all the good-looking girls at uh, but I, but I, at the bars in Royal Oak. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's true. But that, that's exactly why I, I'm doing what I'm doing, because connections with people are way more important than the dollars and whatever, because you, you, can't, you can't die with money, but you can have your name live past your life but the connections that you make. Well, that's great. I think it's great where you're doing. Uh, I think it's a great conversation to have. I've listened to the show. It's a, it's a good listen. Hour and some change uh, for the long commuters here in Detroit. It's It's got a five-star rating, uh, as do we on Out of Bounds. It's like 45 minutes, like, like 45 minutes to an hour sometimes. Yeah, well, we appreciate you uh, joining us on Out of Bounds, Joe. Thanks so much. Uh, good luck to you with with your future endeavors. We're rooting for you here, and I think uh, I think Detroit's rooting for you, and everybody here still loves you. Good luck, Joe. Nice talking to you, man. Uh, I appreciate yeah, I you coming you on. Too. Good luck, man. Yeah, I'm going to come back when I come back for a game uh, in October. All right, cool. Sounds great, man. Let's, let's do I appreciate you guys having me. Absolutely. Thanks again. Good luck. All right. So there you have it, folks. Joe Fourier, want to thank you for joining us. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. A lot of interesting stuff there. Please follow us on social media. Subscribe to the podcast. Give us a rating. Give us a review. Let everybody know uh, what you're listening to and, and what they can expect on the show. We appreciate your feedback too. Uh, share with your friends. Please do uh, because we're doing some big things here and uh, we want to share that with you all. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.